Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Everything Horror Podcast. My name is Paul Dorsky, and always with the lovely... Tessa Baker. So tonight, we have two awesome guests with uh, one of the voices you haven't heard from in a while, and one will be a brand new voice to add to the ever-growing family of everything, because everybody's opinions are different, and everybody wants to talk shit about everything sometimes. Anyway, uh, first up... Let's give the newbie a shout-out first. So, you guys might know... Shut your mouth. You might know him from the website and his own Instagram stuff as Cannibal Kiddo. This is none other than the... <laughs> Cannibal Kiddo. Dustin Walker. Dustin, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It's about goddamn time you're on here. I swear. I swear. <laughs> anyway... It's good to have you. I can't wait to t- hear what your thoughts are on this movie. And speaking of this movie, this maniac wanted to know if we have a done a episode on this yet. And I'm almost talking out of my ass, apparently, because my mouth does not know what word wants to get chosen. <laughs> anyway, this is none other than the bitch himself, Tristan Not Tristan, welcome back, you sickle. What up? <laughs> what up, what up, what up? So Tristan, since it's um your return and stuff, can you kick off the antlers? How what would you like to start with first? Um, if you ever read up on the lore, you know, I'm a big stickler on lores. You know, if you're trying to make a movie about this stuff, you know, you gotta go right to the roots. But you know, um I've always been a big fan of this urban myth and legend, and, you know, I was excited to see this movie. I really was, but you know what? Personally, I was disappointed. Um, you know, I would have liked to seen a lot of better scenes be played out better than how they were in the movie, of course, and, you know, <clears throat> we'll get into that a little bit later on, but, you know, like, my opinion is, you know, it could have been a lot better. Okay, well, let me ask you this. What would you give it as a rating? Out of a ten? Uh, I'd give it about six and a half, seven. Okay. Wow. I can't wait to hear why the, that low number. But anyway, Dustin, you're new to the scene. I want to hear your opinion. You you watched this on HBO. So, yeah, what did you think of this? Well, I feel like we're just going to be shitting on this movie the entire podcast. <laughs> Because I would probably give it like a five or a six. Like, I don't know why it even had to be about the Wendigo. Nothing, like, I don't know anything about the Wendigo to begin with, but, like, it could have literally been anything. There was no reason for it to be the Wendigo. Like, the cinematography in it, I I thought the movie looked good. I thought the acting was good on it, but, like, as far as the story went, like, wasn't feeling it. I was kind of fading in and out watching it. Yeah, I agree with that. This 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 sounds way too much like your reaction to like what was it? The Bye Bye Man or whatever? What was that movie that fucking made you like Snoresville? We haven't watched Bye Bye Man, so I'm now I'm kinda of figuring out like which one you're talking about. It's it follows? Man, is it? No, no, it's not No, it follows wasn't bad. Um fuck. We'll just say Boogie <laughs> Oh, yeah, Boogeyman, the first one, used to put me to sleep. That's what I used to put on if it was on just for a sleep. It was either that one or uh, The Village or Signs. For some reason, I could just not get into those type of films. Maybe now that I've um, grown up to be more mature, maybe I could try them again. But with The Boogeyman, per se, with the horrible CGI that would take you right out of the film, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should try, like, what is it, two, three, and four? I think, uh, whatever. We're not talking to Boogeyman, but yeah, we have, <laughs> I've had some films that We're just talking about films that have personally put you to sleep. Yeah. Anyway. anyway keep getting him off topic, you know, it's going to give him an aneurysm and let the man speak. <laughs> so what you guys think of, uh, I was just about to get there. Yeah, Jeffrey, what did you think of Antlers? Okay, well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Dustin on the fact that the story could have been a lot better. The story did go in and out; it wasn't really consistent. But I will say the atmosphere had it going. 
the cinematography was great the practical effects for the monster because paul and i had got the blu-ray and we actually watched all the extra bonus stuff that comes with it and it really answered a lot of questions that we had by the time we finished watching the movie we had like tons of questions and then we watched all the bonus crap and it answered a lot of stuff and um I actually like, um, I'm probably going to butcher his fucking name right now because it's been a week, but, um, Scott? No! Del Toro? No. Guillermo Del Toro? Yes, I actually like his stuff that he does, like his, his monsters that he creates. I am actually a big fan of his monsters. Um, and the things that he brings to life on screen. Um, Pale Man, uh, the Angel of Death, uh, to name a few. I actually like how he brought the Wendigo to life at the end of the movie. I'm kind of disappointed at the fact that there wasn't more to do with it. Well, I, don't, I don't even know how much Guillermo del Toro had to do with the movie. He's just like a producer on it. He, he, he made the Wendigo. He made the monster. Oh, he, he designed it? Yeah, yeah he designed oh. the monster. Yeah, he, him and his team created the monster. And um, he even admitted that there was 50-50 of CGI and practical effects. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely see the CGI. So yeah, yeah, because we see the practical effects when the head turns around and looks at the camera. Yeah, because part of it was animatronic, mm -hmm. part of it was animatronic and like robotics and stuff, and then the other part of it was an actual live actor inside a suit, inside yeah. a Wendigo suit. Yeah. controlling the movements of the of the beast at certain parts like for instance the the head turn and like the whole like fight scene yeah and then i think it was more of like when he was uh leaning over or something with more of when it was a guy in a suit or something like that is what they were describing anyway but the way like i like the i guess in a way the i like how they portrayed the Wendigo as in the the um, the look of it, like because of the fact that usually when a Wendigo is around, that means somebody nearby ate the flesh of another human being and stuff like that. But and they were trying to say how the Wendigo is basically built from nature, which I guess that makes sense, sort of. But then again, you they did at least get it right by using the Native American because the Native Americans are big into all that sort of cryptid uh, stuff, like with Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever. So they believe mm -hmm. in that type of Wendigo stuff. So I, I actually appreciated with that. However, with the story, if you even want to call it a story, even though they said they weren't trying to push the things out into the film, but you couldn't help but notice it with the whole greed and the drug addiction and stuff like that that was going on. So in a way, weird way, they were trying to use the Wendigo to say like it would the, that the Wendigo was being used as greed and um, and uh, the drug use abuse. Yeah, yeah drug abuse. it was the it was it was the face that drug abuse and greed was given. Yeah, the presence it was given. Now I got a question for all you guys. Remember in the beginning of the movie when they fight the Wendigo when they're like done with what they were doing, they hear the uh, thing calling out, and they go face it in the tunnel. But what whatever happened to the so Wendigo that they were that facing? Too. It just disappeared. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just disappears, and then you find out that the, fa the father, which was one of the guys that went in to fight it, got infected. Yeah, but how they wounded, because it got wounded, the guy got wounded by the Wendigo, and any yeah. and anybody who gets wounded by it becomes it when one. Yeah, died. because that's what happened to his little boy, his youngest son. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, not Luke. Lucas was the older brother. It was the other. It, yeah, I forgot yeah, the yeah. youngest. Yeah, Aiden. Aiden. <laughs> yeah, 
So I'm guessing the father must have hurt, must have hurt Aiden and infected him. And then when, when, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would have to fall into that. So basically just to answer your thing real quick, uh, Tessa is, so at one point near the end of the movie, we actually see, um, after the door is locked and stuff and the father is pounding on the door, he somehow, they somehow get it so that the both boys are trying to run down and lock the door. But as they're doing that, it's like the door got pushed open just enough so that the dad was able to grab Aiden and he got pulled into the door, which ended up having Lucas kind of like shut the door and lock it. So basically the dad did grab Aiden when after he got done putting the lock on the door and he would turn it. I do remember that. Um, so before we go any further, let me just say this is the plot of Antlers for those listening. So basically Antlers is about in an isolated Oregon town, a middle school teacher and her sheriff brother become emboweled with Yeah, embroiled. Embroiled with her uh genomatic student who dark secrets lead to terrifying encounters with an ancestral creature. That the uh the plot I don't know if I would have liked to have used that wording, but it is what it is. And unfortunately now with IMDB, you cannot even see the budget of the film, so I have no idea what the budget was. That's the growth of what they got from theater, from the box office. Yeah. Um, the growth worldwide, I guess we can just give out, is that it made over um, $18,867,659 from the uh, theater when it did come out, though. So that's, I think, pretty good, but I would just would like to know how much this was actually made. since you know, like we talked about robotics, CGI moment, and a guy in a suit. So, kind of makes me wonder. Yeah, I don't see the budget anywhere. Yeah. It, it, it's been we- weird lately. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let me see. What do you, so just to get a, dive in a little bit of more of the character. So we got the teacher that got mentioned in the plot line. What was everybody's thoughts on this teacher that, well, um, basically was following Lucas around because she definitely suspected something was off with everything. Black. Yeah. What what I kind of <clears throat> gathered from her character and her persona, uh, what I thought to me personally was she thought Lucas was kind of like her younger brother. Because remember, she mentions that she doesn't really, she blames herself for leaving her brother in an abusive house. And now she just finds this child that's in an abusive house and she wants to save him. So I foresee, like, she sees her little brother in Lucas a little bit. So I think, like, her character-wise, it's like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, she's very vain. Like, she's more worried about her mental state and all this stuff instead of everybody else. Yeah, she, she's very she's she feels very guilty and um she's she's tormented by her past um because she was subjugated to abuse by her father and um it doesn't really go into detail her brother doesn't really talk about the abuse that he was subjugated to but you kind of see flashes and um like flashbacks of what she was kind of put through with her father and she talks about it so i feel that her soul is very tormented and she feels incredibly guilty about uh leaving her brother behind in the house with um their father like tristan said so yeah i just wanted to get that out before i forgot about it yeah she's definitely been through a lot uh Dustin, what were you gonna say though well, I think she kind of sees herself in Aiden, too, because, you know, she suffered through abuse as a child, so she thinks that he's being abused at home, She, which his father is, I guess, like, a, a, he's cooking meth at the beginning of it, so yep. he does come from, like, a, a drug. Opium or something, or I think it was opium. 
They showed them. They showed her. They showed her. Uh, that yeah, was they were thing. working with opioids. They were opioids. Yeah. yeah. Basically, that was another thing that the uh, the guy, the director, and everybody were talking about is how like they were trying to shine light on real life crisis of like the drug wars and the abusive family type of thing. So yeah, um, which I think we'll get into that more in down the road. But yeah, that was basically the idea. So in my way too, I look at the teacher as she just doesn't want another kid to go through what she went through in a mental state as well. Yeah, but I think by the I, I think by the point of her recognizing that something is wrong, it's already too late for Lucas because he's already endured so much and he's already been through a traumatic experience already with having to lock his father away and his his little brother away and being alone and isolated and everything. Also, trying to uh, provide for the father and brother. Yeah, trying to, to bring them like any, any kind yeah. of any kind of scrap, any kind of anything that they could possibly eat, even like Paul said, roadkill, unfortunately. Yeah. But they're they're practically starving to death, so Lucas is desperate just to give give them anything. Yeah. I'm I'm just thinking though, like like that that sort of stuff reminds me when I went to school though. Like I remember this one particular uh, guidance counselor in high school it was me and another kid who used to be my best friend, whose also name is Paul. So Paul, Paul and the guidance, uh, uh, guidance counselor's office. But anyway, so uh, jokingly, my friend said he was gonna he he was gonna go to up onto the roof and like throw himself off the building, and he was laughing about it. And I and and, and just for the record, I've known this kid for like almost all my life too. So I've known him since I was like five years old. He would never do that. He just he just had that dark sense of humor like I do. Like, oh I would totally go to the roof and jump off and not do it. But but that's the problem with guiding uh with schools, right? They take that shit for serious. So mm -hmm. in this case, I feel like the teacher was also noticing the ways Lucas was uh, talking and reacting to specific questions, so that that is what made her want to look into Lucas's life a little bit more to see what was really going on. Well, not just that; she found his his sketches, she found his drawings, yeah. and that just even made her more concerned. And she's like, "Something is just terribly, oh, yeah. terribly wrong." Here. We need to investigate it, but um, I think their way of going about it and investigating it was kind of stupid, especially the principal lady, if everybody remembers what happened to her. That was really fucking stupid. I'm not filtering myself. What comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth, but that lady was fucking stupid. And trespassing is illegal. Trespassing just walk in people's illegal? houses. Yep, she was practically begging for a death wish as soon as she crossed that threshold. I was like, oh man. I was like, really? I was like, really? Why? Get the warrant. Oh, wait a minute. They were trying to get a warrant, weren't they? And they did, eh? or something like that. Yeah, after. Yeah, was, I know, after, after she crossed the threshold and trespassed and got herself. But she, then here's the other thing that was stupid about her going there. She didn't bring, any, she didn't have any kind of self-defense. No, no fucking pepper spray, no gun, no nothing. Didn't carry anything to defend herself with. She's just like, oh, I'm just going to walk up into, you know, a drug addict's house, you know, completely unarmed, you know. Nothing bad's going to happen. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. I'm just going to go up and just knock on the door and see what happens. Well, the principal was arrogant. Like, the principal didn't really care. Right, you had uh, Carrie Russell saying we should do something about this, and the principal's like, nah, it's not that big a deal. No. I'll just go back by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know your brother's the sheriff and all, but I'll just do it myself. She should have took somebody with her. She should have took the cops with her or somebody. Not just walk up in there like she did, stupidly. Without any means of defense, nobody to protect her or anything. It was just, I just, I couldn't believe it. She's I was a like, strong, independent woman. for it. 
But that part also leads into another part of the movie, which is a good subject to talk about is like when the guy transfers into the Wendigo. Remember that little clip at the end after he kills her? Yeah. He becomes, he becomes the Wendigo. He's like, it's like his humanity just finally, just completely yeah. dies. That's because he finally ate the flesh of the, of the human flesh, basically, rather than the roadkill. You know. Yeah, but he was already in the process of becoming it because if if you guys all remember, his his fucking chest was glowing like fucking embers in a fire. Yeah, right. same with uh, the little boy. Yeah, and he had like the black ashy shit coming from his eyes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He was already well, in the process of becoming. That was just that last thing to give him that last final push. Well, even if you like. uh we're jumping ahead to the end right here, but if he had to eat flesh to become the Wendigo, then how come at the end of it they have to, uh, you know, Aiden starts becoming the Wendigo and he doesn't eat any flesh? Doesn't the horns pop out of his mouth at the end of it or something like that? Yeah, Aiden becomes the next Wendigo because his father died. His, his father died and that made the host that was, the yeah, the host that was inside of the dad go pass on to the next. Pass on to Aiden. Because that's kind of how it goes from what I've seen between like what I've read and what I've seen like um yeah basically to get rid of the Wendigo basically it will the spirit or whatever will try to find a new host that's yeah, basically what happens that's basically what happens and it just keeps going endlessly because it's in it's a it's an ancient creature it's an ancient it's an ancient entity or creature and it, it'll keep going finding a host yeah so and and that sort of form is how do you really stop it well i guess really somebody kill it. well i guess you that means when you killed the one that's in uh we'll just say possessed i'm just gonna say i don't really know the the logical term here but if we're looking at it as like the soul of the wendigo is possessed, right? And we kill the first one that's infected. It goes so, to the next one. Right. But what if there's only one person nearby? Instead of like what so example, let's say that that teacher killed the father and none of those other kids were around. So does that mean would the host uh the spirit of the spirit host thing would that have taken over the her or would that have actually have left the scene to find somebody that's more like in Aiden's state, I guess. I I don't know. I think maybe in this case, I don't think this the this the soul of the entity or this the Wendigo is gonna be picky about a host. It's basically gonna look for whoever it can get to because it needs it needs that energy it needs that sustenance it feeds off of it and if it doesn't find something quickly i think that that's it has a possibility of a chance of going dormant until it can find a suitable host well, that's that makes it. sense guys yes yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense it also like the creature kind of reminds me of like um uh what was it uh Ghosts of Mars, like whatever oh, that person yeah, dies, exactly. the yeah. possession, yeah. But also, it's very weird because it's it's like a mix of Ghosts of Mars and a zombie movie. Yeah, I definitely kind of get that vibe. Honestly, not because like anybody that's wounded by this thing, as we saw by the ending, it it changes people as well but like that brings me back to the fight in the like tunnel like what happened did it die and then found a new host did it uh injure these guys and like they got away well like, what I, well what i think happened not to cut you off tristan but just to kind of help you out here because i'm gonna bounce off of you what I think happened is they went to go fight it in the tunnel. And I'm going to say that it um, 
they were successful in probably killing it. One got wounded, or the they, guy got wounded. I, we, we, I fired Wayne off. I think his name was Frank. Frank got yeah. wounded. I think. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, Frank got wounded. And I think his partner with Daniel. I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then his partner, half of him was found in the woods. Yeah, because uh, I remember that. There. The retired sheriff found as the rest of them, the Indian sheriff. Yeah, but the yeah, but the Indian sheriff found him, but it still, yeah. it still begs to wonder how did that half of him get there? Mm-hmm. They blamed on uh, what did they blame it on jaguars or something like that? They blamed it on something like that, or or did or was it that the Wendigo wounded Frank? And Frank dealt damage to the Wendigo, but the Wendigo was still able to take out his partner before he died off. Is it possible for to have multiple Wendigos, or is Wendigo? It, it, is, po- it is possible. It is possible. They state that actually in the movie. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a game reference here for anybody who's played Until Dawn. Oh yeah. I'm going to bring up a Wendigo game reference here. Because if you remember the end of Until Dawn, um, I'm trying to remember her name. Sarah? No, no, not Sam. The the one that became a Wendigo, that ate her sister and became a Wendigo. Oh, shit. Anyways, the one that ate her sister and became a Wendigo was still alive at the end of Until Dawn while her brother had consumed flesh and was becoming a Wendigo himself. So it is possible that there can be more than one Wendigo alive at the same time. It is possible. There's nothing in folklore legends that um, says that that can't be possible. And to answer your question, their names are Hannah and Beth. Okay, so Hannah was the one that became the Wendigo in Until Dawn because I played this game. I can't tell you how many times. Um, so Hannah became the Wendigo, and at the end of the game, her brother Joshua was eating the flamethrower guy's face, his head, and he was becoming a Wendigo. So, yes, I do believe it's possible there can be more than one Wendigo. There's multiple lures to that. Yeah. The Wendigo. No, it could go either way, really. There's like lures that it's a giant creature you can't see with the naked eye. It's so fast, but it can possess uh, creatures. Yep. There's that lore, and then there's the lore of the Wendigo, which is like a Indian spirit that you actually visually see that changes you into the Wendigo, but leaves your body. Which is another thing I want to talk about with this movie. I loved the fact that they had, like, the Indian, like, uh, myth or uh, lore approach to the Wendigo. And the little, like, the little, uh, what do you want to call it? The little, like... Prayer? Prayer in the beginning of the movie, before the movie even kicks off. I actually loved how they incorporated that into this movie. And how they were talking about it. So yeah. that was like another thing about this movie that I actually liked. Besides, you know, obviously the cinematography, the atmosphere, stuff like that. The monster. But anyways, go on, Tristan. <clears throat> but you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. It, it, it's a, I enjoyed that part too. Um, I like how they kept to the original thought of the lore. Yeah. I, I admit that I will agree to that, but that's where I think it also fails because mm. they were trying to make the Wendigo so many different things at the same time. And um, I want to go back to when we were trying to figure out the budget, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what I could find. But supposedly the budget for Antlers was around $43 million. Is what I could find. So I don't know how true that is, but that that's what I found. 
Well, there's some pretty good high-end actors in that movie, too. Yeah. The fact of how many little kids that they went through just until they found the the one that they wanted to play Lucas, that was that was incredible. They had, like, auditioned over a thousand little kids from all over the world until they found this one Until they boy. found the perfect Lu- Lucas for the film. Yeah. But back to what I was also saying with the Wendigo. I feel, though, they were using the Wendigo not only trying to make it into the Native American point of view of what we know, but they were also trying to make it the greed at the face, or the face of greed and the drug addiction and drug war and stuff like that. So, but I will applaud that. I feel like this is probably one of the best Wendigo designs I've seen because they actually tried to make it more of like earthly look. That's why we see like the fire burning, the ashes, stuff like that, because it's like basically earth made. I did appreciate that. Yeah, they made it into kind of a mix of like an elemental being in a way with the fire element in the chest. And then you've got like the the antlers, you know, and stuff like that. So I I overall liked the design of the monster. It was an interesting approach for the one to go. And I've seen quite a different approach, quite a few different approaches for what people portray Wendigos to be. So this was definitely one of the more interesting ones. Dustin, any thoughts for that one? Yes. Well, going into the movie, I knew nothing about the Wendigo except for an episode of Charmed where I think Alyssa Milano turned into a Wendigo, which is kind of like a werewolf on that show or something like that. And coming out of the movie, I feel like I know nothing about the Wendigo. so. (laughs) So I feel like it was a complete fail. If there, it could have been anything. Is like I was saying, it didn't have to be the Wendigo. Literally, could have been that, why do you say that though? Like, so explain. Like, what do you feel made it so that it shouldn't have been the Wendigo or something else? Like, like tell me. I didn't tell feel us. any. It didn't feel anything. I didn't like. It was. It wasn't special. Like, it just seemed like a, a werewolf story or a zombie story. Except they were using. They kept saying it was the Wendigo. Have you guys uh, read the original story, The Quiet Boy, that the movie's based off of? Um, you know what? We tried to watch that, and then we completely spaced on it. Did you end up doing it? Yeah, I, I read it. It has nothing to do with the Wendigo. It has nothing to do with fucking drug abuse. It's just a monster and a teacher and a boy. The monster's trying to get the boy, and the teacher's trying to protect the boy, and that's sort of like how it kind of worked out in yeah. this film too. It has it nothing to do with Wendigo though. It's just a monster. That's but there is a film that Paul and I will recommend that you check out, Dustin, if you haven't. This is a really good Wendigo film. This is film actually too. a really good um, portrayal of the Wendigo, and it's called Devil in the Dark. It's a 2017 film. Yeah, but... Devil in the Dark, and it's actually a good portrayal of a Wendigo. I, I actually kind of felt bad for the father and son that are on this um, hunting trip, if I remember correctly. It's been yeah, definitely yeah, like roughly, a few years. Yeah, it's a hunting trip. Family bonding hunting trip. Yeah, and yeah, it's a hunting trip. But for those listening, it's actually available right now for Devil in the Dark. It's available with your Amazon Prime if you want to check it out. Uh, just like yeah, I think it's on Tubi, too. Yeah, and we can also throw this in for you. Oh, that's on Pluto. Um, it says, when two estranged siblings go on a family bonding hunting trip, a dark and evil entity from their past stalks them through the countryside. But something from the past is drawing one brother deeper into the woods. A night of unrelenting horror will force the other brother to make the ultimate choice. Yeah. So there's there's that one too, and I think there's another one to go on, but honestly, we'll we'll have to wait. I I and speaking of Wendigo film, so I'm in this Facebook group for found footage and stuff, and there's this indie artist that is actually making a film called The Wendigo right now, and I believe it's actually trying to be funded on Kickstarter right now. So um. It's, all I remember from it right now is like it's just called the Wendigo. So if you have Kickstarter support, Kickstarter, you should just look it up. It's uh, pretty easy. 
But yeah, that actually looks pretty interesting though, from the screenshot and stuff that he has uh, have shown us in the in the found footage group. So what you're saying though is that Charmed episode isn't a good representation of the Wendigo. No, not at no, all. No, hell no. <laughs> that all. that is another laughable one. <laughs> Um, but I think charm is more laughable in a way of like it's funny laughable, where it's just like okay, this this is trying to be serious, but not really at the same time. There's so. an episode of uh, Supernatural that has the Wendigo yeah. that's closely similar. Yeah, I remember the Supernatural episode too. And I, I'm drawing a blank on that one, but then again, I haven't watched Supernatural. I think it's from the first season. Yeah, first season. First season. Yeah, I think it's like. Season episode two, three, or four. Mm. Well, so to go back onto Antwerp, the film that we're supposed to be talking about is um, so. Shifting gave his uh, his thoughts on it for a rating. So I guess if I had to rate this film, I would give it at least a seven, and that's just making it a solid film. And I think most of that comes from what they were trying to do, and I appreciate and I appreciated the the man in the suit. And I, I I can forgive the the CGI because as uh, anybody if anybody has seen the bonus feature, if not, I would just I, we try to figure out a way to find a bonus feature, but it does go into great detail of like what was going on in the making and like with the mouth opening and the arm moving or whatever was basically cgi but i mean you had to you had to and i can forgive it for that but other than that um i definitely feel the story is a weak because of how they were trying to betray the wendigo even though according to the director and stuff they were trying not to make it like a theme movie but I hate to say this, but it does act like a theme movie. Um, Tessa, did we uh, did we get a rating from you yet? No. So, what's your rating for this film? I want to say it's between a six and a half and a seven. Which one are you leaning toward more? Mm. Probably six and a half. Right? Probably about six and a half because the um, the ending fight or whatever the showdown. Could have been better. The highlight of that whole thing was actually seeing the Wendigo, like, up close. That was, like, the highlight of the whole thing. Was seeing that freaking head turn and seeing that human face just... And everything. was, like, the highlight was just seeing the, the, the oh, Wendigo. Oh, I will... Yeah, okay. The so fact that she brought... um revolver or magnum or pistol or whatever the fuck you want to call it probably a magnum to to a wendigo fight instead of more firepower it's beyond me um i'm sorry but if i was going up against something like that i would bring bring a much bigger gun or more ammo but didn't the son kill it with like a pocket knife or something yeah. yeah, stabbed her in the heart, and then she yep. had to then she had to reach in and rip the heart out and extinguish it. Yep, because that's what that's how you're supposed to take the wind to go out is because you have to extinguish its flame, its heart. Which the cousin's Rambo, that's why. Which we have <laughs> nobody's actually talked about this. So what do they mention in the film where uh, when's the best time to kill the wind to go? When it after it's after it's fed, it's weak. Yeah, it's weak after it's eaten. It's it's at its most vulnerable state when it's after it's fed. Yep, and that is why we could take a knife to it, I guess, because it was at its vulnerable. So so yeah, I'm gonna lean towards the six and a half because because of that. I mean, I love the cinematics and the atmosphere and stuff like that, and the Indian lore, but. Yeah. Just other parts of it, it just didn't stick. Didn't connect the way it was supposed to, and I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, why? Yeah, honestly, that that fight I thought was pretty cool. It like looked cool, I like the cinematography in the final fight. But then you get the scene after that, 
with them on the beach with her brother and the little kid. And I would probably even knock the movie down to a four because I thought that was a big piece of shit right at the end of the movie with the dude standing there with the fucking black tears coming down his eyes. And yeah, because he was wounded. I could have did without that. Like, I get it. I get it. He's probably going to turn into it. We didn't need to be held by the hand and told that right at the end of the movie. Like, like, we're, like it's like sequel bait. Yeah, I, w- I was really hoping for it to be much better, considering the fact that I'm a big fan of um, Guillermo del Toro. I, I love his work, so I was really kind of hoping that it was going to be better. Well, you were only a producer. He did the monster. I know. Well, the, I thought the monster looked cool. So The monster looked badass and everything, and I love that. But I was hoping because he was a part of the film, it was gonna make like he he added his you know his creative parts to the film. And it was gonna be. He better. tried to, but apparently he just liked the way um, Scott Cooper had the idea down of greed and this and that, which is what I find to be the, the one of the downfalls. So I guess I'll knock it down to a six in my <laughs> rating. But mm, yeah. but so. So we just talked about, Justin brought up Officer Paul of the ending. Can can we just talk about how the fuck that guy did not die? He, seriously? Got, he seriously got wrecked He got so wrecked. How it's did a, he survive? It's, it's, it's called a plot armor. He's a, a main character, so we can't kill him. So he has, the, the Wendigo just kind of hits him. But it Everybody me. else just gets completely fucking gored, and he just gets hit a little bit. But it amazes me that he didn't fucking bleed out. Like, how? In anime, we call that plot armor, so... Yeah. I I, I, I will like how the window, um... The dad, the dad, when he was the full-born Wendigo, I liked how he was, um... Tricking, uh... The police officers and trying to get like the teacher and stuff to come out into the shed where the other dead cop was. That I thought was interesting because it was perfect. You know, get them into the shed, sneak up behind them, and then just antler them to they die basically. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm not usually I'm not usually against like kids getting butchered in films, but that bully looking Oh yeah, that scene was great too. Head. <laughs> Really had it coming, unfortunately. No, he um, did have it coming. <laughs> but and, I wish that kill had be- a better impact than it did. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was the first kill that we got to see while the father was actually the Wendigo, the actual creature. I wish it was more of an impact, you know, have the two boys talking and bullying, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just get, like, side-clipped. <laughs> Well, he sort of did, right? Because he saw him up in the tree, and he would like, run, but... But they had a warning. Like, I would have liked to seem like, a more like a no jump warning. scare. Yeah, no warning. Yeah. I think that that's another thing I didn't like about the film, is that it was, I think it was focusing too hard of trying to be a good story, but they could not focus on how to get the scares right, or at least how to make it creepy. Or something. And if there was anybody that I felt for in this movie, it was for Lucas and Aiden. Simply yeah. because of the fact that Aiden was was very, very sick and Lucas was trying everything that he could possibly do to save him. Like mm-hmm. he was like, he will get better, he'll get better. You know, he would he really, really wanted Aiden to get better. And I felt for these kids. I really did. So when uh, the teacher had to come in and, and kill Aiden because Aiden was turning into the Wendigo, I, I really, really felt for Lucas. I did. I was just like, wow, this kid just lost everything. Like, everyone that he ever cared about, like, his family is just gone, and he just doesn't... At least he would picked up by the teacher, though. I will he- say that, yeah, but... I mean, he lost everything that he, like, everyone he knew. Like, Aiden was, Aiden meant so much to him. So did his dad. But Lucas and Aiden were just very close. Unfortunately, though, that's just any horror movie, right? <laughs> Nowadays, yes. Nowadays. I, w- I wish there was a twist where they uh, had uh, Lucas turn into one, too. 
Yeah, that would have been that would have been a a better twist than the uh, sheriff brother. I honestly thought it was gonna go that way because of the way Lucas was talking. Like he had to, um, what was it? He he was waiting for his dad to come get him to bring him to the cave, so that way he could feed them or whatever. But for, like the way he was also saying, like I think he somehow put it as to be with his dad. I thought that meant like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna. Um, you know, make me pure, I guess. I don't know. That might be the wrong way of putting it, but, like, the way I look at it is for pure. Like, he would try to become pure is, like, he would become, like, what his brother and dad were. So that way they could just kind of be, like, um, a family again, but this time as a Wendigo family, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think uh, the reason it was the cop at the end of it is because it goes back to, like, the drug abuse themes. Uh, cause there's that one scene in the kitchen where he's freaking out because he can't find his pills and she's just kind of watching him from the, Carrie Russell's like watching him from the table cause she like hit him in the basket and, uh, he's like, don't move my things or something like that. So it goes back to, which I mean, it's kind of fucked up that Aiden was turned into the Wendigo then. Cause if we're going with the drug abuse themes, that the Wendigo is a representation of the drug abuse and... Yeah, he was supposed to somehow symbolize, like, the drug war, the drug abuse as well, yeah. The greed, drug abuse, and I swear there was something else, but yeah, anyway. That's why, I, I yeah, I don't know. Corruption, I guess. Yeah, corruption. That's why I feel like and if this Wendigo really isn't a Wendigo, because, you, like, how did, how did, like, I just researched this, too, again, and the Wendigo does, in fact, uh, does appear as to be a symbol of greed. But I just don't see, like, do you think they were being greedy because of the drugs, too? Like, so, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but do you feel like the greed somehow mixes into the fact of the whole drug war that is supposedly supposed to be going on? Yeah, because they say that money is the root of all evil. You know, greed is the root of all evil. So I do believe it plays into it. I have a good question. So with, <clears throat> so we know when you get attacked by these things, by this thing, it changes you. Mm -hmm. But... <clears throat> What about if they attack and the people that are not like pure of heart, like kind, like good people? Like, does that have something to do with it too? Why they change? Hmm. Yeah, but Aiden. Because remember the little uh, Lucas in the hospital? He had all those marks on his back. It looked like scratch marks on his back. Hmm. I, I know I know what scene you're talking about. Um, I don't know how to answer that. Because that, once again, we don't really learn how Lucas got those marks to begin with. For all I know, maybe the dad abused them. <laughs> I, I mean, figured it was something with like the bullies picking on him or something. Or him yeah. just living I, on his own for however long he was living on his own. Yeah, I was... I would lean in Dustin's direction on that. I think it could be from the bullies because why would he take care of his father if his father abused him? Yeah, I think his he father, I, th father. I think that was a good part of it. I think his father really did love him. So, yeah, I why family was a big part of the three of them, Frank, Aiden, and Lucas. And that might be why the father was in the drug war, right? Because he wanted he to provide. He was trying to provide for his children yeah. because their mom had died. Yeah. Uh, did we ever? Did we ever learn how the mother died? I don't think so, though. No, I can't remember. She was. She got sick or something. She became very sick. I don't know. Anyway, so the point of this is so yeah. So the drug that the dad was doing had to have been for definitely supporting the family, and that's why it's a way of showing love in a weird way. But yeah, um, I do agree that the dad was. Uh, a lovable father. Um, he definitely had to have been, right? Because otherwise he wouldn't have uh, built 
the lock onto the door and basically to told them to protect his children. Yeah, and like basically say whatever you hear, do not open this door. Because, you know, if he didn't care, he wouldn't care what happened to the boy if he were to have changed. So, yeah. Um, or he wanted to also do it to prevent from anybody else getting a, a hurt and becoming into this creature. Yeah, we saw how well that turned out for the principal leader. <laughs> and everybody else that came along after that, too? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm talking about within the house. I know. I know. Well, trespassing is not okay, and remember that. For all you boys and girls out there that like to explore places. Yeah, and if you're going to go into a place exploring, <clears throat> make sure you're armed with something. And make sure you have permission, because that... otherwise, uh, if you get caught, oh man, yeah, you're in trouble. Um, anyway, I don't know, I really, I'm trying to like, pinpoint maybe a scene here but you guys are probably hitting everything that I want to talk about so honestly I don't even know what else we can discuss of this film and what anybody else can think of anything I mean what do you guys think about the atmosphere like the place they filmed this movie I thought it was pretty good a pretty it, good it, like oh, it was spot on. yeah it fit it, it, it fit the scene and everything and the atmosphere just lined up it's just the story that didn't i think yeah they should have they made it more the, environmental i think yeah they picked the right atmosphere they just yeah they yeah i love the uh where they filmed in i guess it was oregon in the mountains yes. yeah it was yep. Oregon. Yeah. i love the small town how you see that little fucking china buffet like 12 times throughout the whole movie <laughs> it really shows how small the town is like in the original story it's uh west virginia that the, the movie takes or the story takes place in oh wow well that makes sense too huh yeah uh, that's kind of weird though they don't even describe like what this monster is in that original story, uh, short story either Dustin. it's just um it's just an entity they don't even describe what it looks like the teacher goes and looks through the windows of the house and he's just staring at her all you see all she sees is a shadow staring at her oh wow uh, she let. She's the one that lets the. Uh, she lets it out because she thinks that she doesn't know he's in there or something. I don't know what the deal is, but she's the one that lets it out of the house. Wow! And then the the son is just like a little cave boy, like Donnie from Wild Thornberries. He just runs around jumping and stuff. <laughs> That's a great cartoon. And, and at the end of it, spoilers. Uh, she gets killed. She she gives the kid to the monster. And then the monster rips her to pieces. There's just all they find is body parts everywhere. Nice, nice. Oh man. Versus what we get in the film where she kills it. Well, yeah, they had to make her the strong female protagonist. Yeah, she was uh, overcoming abuse. She was fighting yeah, exactly. alcoholism throughout the whole movie. Exactly. Yeah, she she became the stronger stronger character after all the abuse uh, abuse that she didn't want it to. Happened uh, to somebody else, and, and, like, and like Dustin said earlier, you can't kill off the you can't kill off the protagonist. <laughs> no, I would have been okay with everybody just dying at the end of it. Okay, so like okay. So since I got one for Dustin since Dustin brought that up. Did anybody even care for a character at all? Like I, any of these characters? I besides cared for the, the boys. I would. Just, I, I liked all. I liked all of them. Honestly, I thought they all did a good job. I just. I guess I just didn't care about the story. <laughs> I think I'd have to say I like the Indian, the Indian actor. The Indian actor, uh, it reminded me of uh, Poltergeist 2. How they yes. just go to an Indian <laughs> yeah. medicine man because the ghost. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean. But he, yeah. was the, he was the former sheriff, so. Yes, it's not like was. they just went and found a medicine man in the wilderness. No, but he did try to, to help them. Too, with they kind of failed to even listen to his advice too, but yeah. So we can all agree that the actors were good, but the story wasn't solid. I think we've all been saying that that the story was better. Yeah, the story. <laughs> they would have just made a monster movie. I'd have been cool with it. Oh, didn't yeah. have to have all these themes. 
<laughs> what do you mean? They weren't trying to make this a theme movie. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, they totally uh, made a monster movie. <laughs> yeah, they really should have. And that's why, as we said, we re would recommend Devil in the Dark. Check out that movie. That's a pretty good portrayal of the Wendigo. All right, well, I got another movie I'm going to throw into the suggestion box on Discord. Mm, I bet I know what it is. Devil in the Dark? No. No? What? No, just for shits and giggles, because we all like campy 80s horror here, I'm uh -huh. sure. Uh, the Monster Squad. Yeah. Frank, Frank Drecker? Is the, or Frank Decker? Whatever his name is. Yeah. Oh, I love Monster Squad. That's one of my favorite movies. It is. It's one of my favorites, too. Freaking Paul even got me the freaking vinyl for it. I was like, yes. <laughs> so I wouldn't mind talking about that, because that's a good monster movie. Good you ever night. see uh, movie? We're just rambling about movies now. You ever see uh, Night of the Creeps? Hell yeah. There's that yeah. one scene in the bathroom stall where it says uh, Monster Squad Rules written on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> Alright, so anyway, the point of this episode is if you want to watch it Just to watch it. Go for the just go in it for the really the practical effect, the monster itself. Because once you really see the monster, it should be satisfying. Like Del Dottoro and his team did a really a really good monster. It's just a shame that the monster wasn't in a monster movie. Yeah, I say look up the monster on Google and don't watch the movie. <laughs> or do that like what Dustin said. Yeah, if you want to appreciate the monster for what it is and not have to go through watching the movie, then just Google it. Yeah. But then we're not supporting the film actors. Oh, wow. Yeah, they got enough money. That one kid, yeah, the little kid, Lucas, he's on uh, Righteous Gemstones. It's a great show. Watch that instead. Truth <laughs> uh, in, any, any final thought for you? Not really. You guys pretty much took the words out of my mouth this whole time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so Dustin, this is your first time here. So, um, let's let's end with you. So basically, you know, as we mentioned in the beginning, you you do your cannibal kittle reviews or whatever. You kind of stop doing it, but if people wanted to reach out to keep in touch of whatever the hell you won't post in the future, where can people follow you and stay up to date with stuff with everything, Dustin? Pretty much just. Cannibal Kiddo on every social platform. I use the same name, Cannibal Kiddo, and I'm probably on every social platform. So, Cannibal yeah. Kiddo, K I D D O. Now, is that would underscore, uh, yeah, under underscore. Uh, a lot of the times, yeah, if it's okay. required. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. That's the best place to definitely do it. Dustin is thinking about maybe doing some more reviews, so you may see him pop on our website again for more uh, reviews. Anyway, Tristan. You know what, Tristan? I don't even know like if you have any social media that you want to even throw out there, but if people wanted to say hi to you, where could people say hi to you? You can find me on Snapchat, Stone Cold 1997 or you can just hit me up on my Facebook page, Tristino Patnot. Alrighty, um, you already know where to find us, fuckers, and that's uh, everywhere and everything. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's links on eh podcast that is ehpodcasts dot com. I was Paul Roski, and I'm Tessa Baker, and we always want you to stay the fuck scared.